him glory. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. The word of the Lord says this. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Amen. I want to speak to you for just a few moments this morning on this subject, the structure within. The structure within. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today. God, I thank you for every person that has gathered in this place. I thank you for the presence of your spirit that has filled this house. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth and find good ground. Help us, I pray, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we will hear your word, that we will receive your word, that it will be unto us a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Help us, I pray, in the name of Jesus to become all that you have designed for us to be. I ask this in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Now this is Father's Day, and so our preaching will be tailored a little bit to fathers. In fact, quite a bit to fathers, uh, because it's such an important role. And I, I want to say from the outset that when we go to the matter of, of fathers and mothers, we are dealing with a very significant and important part of God's plan. When God created man and woman, he created man and woman in his image. Such a very important thing to understand that we are not created just in any old image, but we are created in the image of God. And we are not, we are not at all uh, accidents or, or, or coincidences, but, but we are purposely, fearfully, and wonderfully made in the image of the Lord. As a man... You are made in the image of God. And as a woman, you are made in the image of God. And this is important, especially in 2022, because a lot of people want to say that there is no real importance of those two identifying realities. But there is a great importance. There is a reason why the enemy wants to blend the genders. He wants to blend the genders because he knows that uniquely each gender reflects the glory of God. As a man, you reflect the glory of God. And as a woman, you reflect the glory of God in a unique way. Men reflect the glory of God in a way that women do not. And women reflect the glory of God in a way that men do not. And it is important. God established this distinction in creation. And it is a perfect picture of Christ and his church. So this is not a throwaway subject. This is not just a whatever you think is fine and whatever I think is fine and everybody just gets along and goes along. No, no, it is vitally important and nature itself teaches us that the distinction between male and female is a very critical, important distinction and, and is so as it relates to the glory of the Lord himself. You see a clear picture of God when you see a man being a man. And you see a clear picture of God when you see a woman being a woman. 
in the honor and purity of those roles. And so we talk today about structure. And I want to take it from this verse of scripture, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, where that the wise man says, my son, this of course is the king speaking to his son, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Hear the instruction of thy father. The instruction. Now that word instruction is key because its root is the word structure. Now we use that word structure in other words. So another word where we use that word structure is in the word construction. I just made an announcement about a construction project. And in this construction project, there is a lot going on and there are a lot of moving parts. That's why we call it construction. That prefix C-O-N actually refers to with or together. It is, it is referencing a lot of things that are being synchronized and brought together. We use it in words C-O-N and C-O-M are really interchangeable in etymology. So we use it in words like commerce or communicate or or uh, uh, compute it has to do with stuff coming together and being with one another so when we say construct we're talking about things coming together to build a structure that's why in our construction project we have plumbers we have electricians we have architects we have framers we have excavators we have a number of different Entities that are coming together for the purpose of construction. They will work together until the structure is complete. Now, we also use in the word destruction. Destruction also has to do with structure. But it doesn't have to do with building structure. It has to do with removing structure. That's really what the enemy's trying to do in society by attacking the identity of male and female. He wants to attack the identity of male and female so that he can destroy or bring destruction to the structure that God has established. And so destruction does not have to do with building structure. It has to do with removing structure and replacing structure or just getting rid of it altogether. But we're talking today from Proverbs 1 verse 8 about instruction. And that word instruction is so vital because it too has to do with structure. But it doesn't have to do necessarily with a building that we build or have to do with some sort of a, an apparatus that is tangible. It has to do with the intangible. And it has to do with internal structure. Internal structure. The structure within Structure that happens on the inside of a person. That is what instruction is. And whether you know it or not, but you are an individual who needs structure. I need structure in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit. I need something to hold on to. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 1 verse 8, that this instruction comes from the Father. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, the law 
comes from mom. But the, the instruction comes from dad. That's a very important delineation. Now, you may think, well, what's the difference? There's a big difference. There are a lot of laws, and mom has a lot of laws. Amen. Mom has a lot of laws. And all of mom's laws are important. Every single law she has is important. And they may vary from house to house. Depends on, on what her preferences are and how she wants to keep the home. And the, and the Lord <clears throat> entrusts her with the responsibility of keeping the home. She is to be the keeper at home. That doesn't mean it all has to fall on her shoulders. But it is her responsibility to make sure that there's peace in the home. And, and that's a tall order when she's got to deal with all of us. And all of our opinions and all of our idiosyncrasies. That's a pretty big responsibility. So mom starts laying down the law and she says things like, take your shoes off when you come in the house. You better take your shoes off when you come into the house. Or she may say something like, pick up your plates and put them in the sink. She might even say, wash those dishes. She might say, rinse them off and put them in the dishwasher. And she might say, empty the dishwasher. She might tell you when you're going to vacuum. She might tell you when you're going to take out the trash. She might tell you when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, when you're doing your homework. She's got laws. And every one of those laws have a purpose. Those purposes are to create peace in the home. It is to create an environment where there is peace in the home. But, but for a mom to have laws without dad to provide instruction is a very challenging situation. And I do want to, I want to give honor to all of our moms and dads, and I want to give honor to all of our single parents who are fulfilling double duty many times. And we pray the blessing of God on you and we pray the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon you for this challenge that lies ahead of you. And God will give you the power and God will give you the ability to do everything that you need to do. How many know God will do it? God will do it. But it is important as mom begins to bring these laws out, those laws can be intimidating and those laws can sound arbitrary. Many times they can seem like they don't make a lot of sense. Like, where's that coming from? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do this? So, so it is important for dad to come in with structure. And the structure, the instruction that dad brings is something that says, you're going to do what your mother tells you to do. If mom said it, that's the way it's going to be. And, and moms who raise sons, you know, there is a point at which that son becomes bigger, becomes stronger, and, and, and it depends on whether that son loves you and respects you as to whether or not he's going to do what you've said to do. And the father's the one that has to instill that love and that respect and show what it means to be loving and to be respectful and to be patient and to be kind. Fathers, we have a big responsibility and we don't cut ourselves any slack. We don't cut ourselves any slack. We don't, we don't make excuses for ourselves. Part of being a man is not making excuses for ourselves. 
we are empowered to represent the most important figure in the history of mankind, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm just a symbol of his substance, but I am empowered by the substance of who he is. I have the authority to step into a situation and speak with the power and the grace and the love of Almighty God. This is a very important thing to consider. So, so in an ideal set of circumstances, a mother and a father are married. This is the way God has ordained it to be. One man, one woman in holy matrimony. No premarital intimacy, no extramarital intimacy, no same gender intimacy. Can I preach to you the word of the Lord? I'm talking about the structure that God has put in the earth. One man, one woman in holy matrimony, raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And when this is done properly and appropriately the man will provide structure it's not an easy task it's not something it's a lifelong learning experience it's you're not going to be perfect at it but stop making excuses for yourself get up every day pray every day seek God every day say Lord make me the man that I'm supposed to be Help me to love my wife the way my wife needs me to love her. Help me to lead my children the way my children need them to love me, to love them. Help me to lead and guide my family, and God will give you the power to do just that. Hallelujah. 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 And so we don't cut ourselves any slack. We can't because we represent Jesus Christ. If I'm not meeting his standard, then I'm falling short of what I'm supposed to be. I don't get to pity myself. I don't get to loathe myself. I don't get to crawl off somewhere, suck my thumb, and act like I got the raw end of the deal. I'm the man of God. If it's not together, I better get it together. If they don't respect me, I better, I better become respectable people respecting me it's not on them it's on me if people don't respect me I'm going to examine myself and say what do I need to do to become a person that they will respect and it doesn't involve me shaking my fist and it doesn't involve me stomping my feet and it doesn't involve me coming in and trying to demand respect I've got to build the structure for such a thing can I preach to you this morning about the structure within? It, you know, this is the way that it works. And there's an old song that kind of gives us a, just an insight as to how this relationship between the mom, the father, and the child works. It's a blessed old hymn. You may have heard it before. It just, it just goes like this. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrub that kitchen floor... You ain't going to rock and roll no more. Anybody remember this blessed old hymn? I actually don't know if we ever sang it in a worship service. but And then in this hymn, you hear, you hear this little voice pipe up and say, Yakety yak. And then you hear a 
big, deep, baritone voice say, don't talk back. Don't talk back. So you've got, you've got these laws. Just take out the papers in the trash. Scrub that kitchen floor. You better do this and you better do that. And then you've got this little rebellious voice. Yakety yak. And then you've got this deep baritone voice. Don't talk back. It's giving you the description of how it's supposed to work. Mom is supposed to have the authority to walk up into the house and say, I need everybody to do this, 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 this. And everybody is supposed to go ahead and start doing what mom has established is to be done. And when they start doing all that yakety yak, it's baritone in the old hymn because that's dad talking. It's dad who says, don't talk back. Now, dad doesn't, dad may not, he may, he may, or he may not have a ton of preference on exactly how everything gets done. But, but his primary role is to make sure that there's a structure inside that child that you're going to love, you're going to be obedient, you're going to be respectful. And I'm, and I'm not just going to demand that of you, I'm going to example that for you. I'm going to show you what that looks like. That's how you establish structure. If somebody doesn't have respect, anybody ever heard the term, well, they just have no respect. Here's how you deal with a person that has no respect. You give them respect. That's how you deal with a person that has no respect. You give them respect. You, you actually take the time to show them respect. Well, they've got to earn my respect. Then stay on your vicious cycle. But if you want to get respect, you're going to have to give respect. And now, now listen, we're, all, we're, we're, we're men here, okay? I'm preaching to men right now, so could we all just lace up our steel-toed boots for a moment? Come on, put your steel-toed boots on, all right? You got to stop losing your temper. You got to stop getting angry over every little thing. Men sometimes like to say, well, women are so emotional. We're pretty emotional too. We just demonstrate our emotion a little bit differently. But we've got to stop getting so angry over everything and put a little faith in God. That God is going to work it out. And that this day is going to be fine. And everything's going to be okay. And we've got to exemplify for our wives and for our children that God's got this. It's going to be okay. And if you need to sneak off somewhere to pray, my goodness, sneak off somewhere to pray. But you've got to, you've got to begin showing you are not a slave to your emotions. You are not a slave to your anger. You are not a slave to your irritations. You are not a slave to your frustrations. You are not a slave to your temptations. I rebuke what this world says about men. Men are not animals. To where they cannot control some kind of a, an appetite. You are a man of God. You are a man of integrity. And if you've got a temptation you're struggling with, you crucify it at an old-fashioned altar. That's how you deal with temptation. 
as a man of God, you have a responsibility to establish structure. Now, you say, well, what if I've already made my mistakes? What if I've already made such a miserable failure of everything? It's never too late to start, and you need to start right now. The best time to start was yesterday. The, the next best time to start is right now. The best time to start was 20 years ago. The next best time to start is right now. Right now you can begin establishing the structure that is necessary for a child, for a loved one to begin to experience the peace that God has for their life. So I want to I just break this down for you. Jesus was asked the question one time. The question was, what is the greatest commandment? And, and I think that they actually expected him to kind of be, they did actually, we know. They were trying to stump him. And he, they expected him to get kind of confused by this. He had to pick from 613 laws. Of which one was the greatest? Oh, wow, that's a, man, that's a really good Question. I don't know if I can really pinpoint that or narrow that down. 613, I mean, thou shalt not kill is pretty good because we don't really need to be killing anybody. And thou shalt not steal, that's a good one. You need to just kind of keep what is yours and not be envious of what others have and covet it. Or maybe thou shalt not commit adultery. That's a very important one to keep in Jesus' name. Somebody said Amen. And, and, and he didn't do all that. He, said, he simply said this. This is the greatest command. He said the greatest command is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Him only shall you serve. You shall love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Then he looked at them and said, upon these hang all the law and the prophets. What was he doing? He was speaking as the father. He was building structure. And he was saying there are a lot of laws that are necessary to keep. But if you can build this structure in your spirit, then you will keep all the law and you will keep all of the prophets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, so it's kind of like, gentlemen, it's kind of like your garage. If you're going to have a garage... You, you, you can't just throw a bunch of tools in that garage. You can't just throw a chainsaw and a hacksaw and a saw and a hammer and nails and screwdrivers and wrenches and, and leaf blowers and lawnmowers and another lawnmower and a riding mower and just shove it all into that garage. You've got to have workbenches. You've got to have hooks. You've got to have pegboards. You've got to have structure. And ladies, this goes for you too. You can't just throw all your... 59 pairs of shoes you've got into a closet and all those dresses and blouses and, and purses and just toss them in there and shut the door and try to squeeze that door shut, bowling at the top and bowling at the bottom. You've got to have some rods and you've got to have some places to put those shoes and you've got to have some hangers to hang those dresses and you've got to have some cupboard, cubby boards. You've got to have something to provide structure. You're trying to keep the law of God individually and randomly and arbitrarily and it doesn't work like that. You can only keep the law of God if you have the structure in place that will allow you to keep the law of God. And when you have the structure that the Lord your God is one Lord, 
There is no other God. Your job isn't a God. Your money isn't a God. Your desires aren't God. What you wish, all your preferences, that's not God. The Lord our God, he alone is the Lord. And you shall love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When you have this structure, then you'll have no problem being faithful to your wife. When you have this structure, you'll have no problem not cheating on your taxes. When you have this structure in place, you will have no problem treating your neighbor with respect. Can I preach now? You won't have trouble loving your enemy and blessing them which persecute you when you have as a structure that the Lord is one. I only love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let me just tell you something. If you don't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you don't love him at all. You can't sit here and say, well, I love God. I just, I just need to love him more. Ah, no, no. You either love him completely or you don't love him at all. And so you'd better check yourself so that you can have the right structure. This is why you keep struggling with sin. This is why sin just continues to to push God off the throne. And, and God is scrambling, trying to get back on the throne of your heart. But you have a different God do you serve. You have different, different idols in your heart. And so the Lord wants to build the right kind of structure in us. So let's talk about this love of God for a moment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That that's not where love starts. Love doesn't start with you loving God. You don't just love God. Where does love start? Love starts with him loving you. It's not a miracle that you love God. That, are you kidding? Of course you love God. Why wouldn't you love God? He's God. He's great. He's glorious. He's holy. He's wonderful. He's miraculous. He's mighty. He's holy. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's everything. He's the all in all, the altogether lovely. Of course we love him. It's not so amazing that we love him. It's amazing that this kind of a God would look down upon us in our sinful state and love us. That is the miracle and that's where love starts. Not that you love God, that, but that God loves you. That's where the miracle of love begins. And so the Bible calls it the first love. And Jesus had a problem with the church at Ephesus because the church at Ephesus had left their first love. Now, when he came to them to present to him his problem with them, I want you to notice how he did it. He didn't roll up into Ephesus and smack them around and say, you left your first love, what's wrong with you? No, he showed us how to bring correction. He walked up into Ephesus and said, I admire your work. I admire what you're doing. What you're doing is good. I see, I see the works of your hand. I see how you've challenged false doctrine. You've done a lot of good stuff, but I have somewhat against you. Are you paying attention, Dad? Correction is important. It's vitally important. 
I said correction is important and you had better establish within the heart of your child that you love them so that when you bring correction, they know it comes from a place of love. And now you don't just have the responsibility to correct, you have the credibility to correct. You have the credibility to walk into their life and say, I see what you've done here. I see what you've done there. You see what God is doing? God is connecting before correcting. And if you'll take the time to connect before you correct, you'll have the credibility to bring correction. And he says to the church at Ephesus, I see what you've done. He's connecting. It's good. I I applaud you. I admire it. He's connecting. But then he provides correction. I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. And that is many times our problem. We leave our first love. And the first love is simply this, that the Lord loves us. And the foundation of the structure within us And the foundation of instruction is always, he loves me. He loves me. He doesn't wait for me to get holy to love me. He loves me when I'm undone. He loves me. When I'm broken, he loves me. When I'm foolish, he loves me. When I'm struggling, he loves me. trying to tell you the nature and the character of your heavenly father and it's important that you understand it because a lot of sons wouldn't go prodigal if they ever truly understood the nature of their father you knew he didn't you know he didn't know the prodigal son he didn't know his father's character he didn't because he said, I wonder if he'd let me come home. I wonder if he'd let me be a servant. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. He did not know that his father was watching from a long ways off, looking over the horizon. If he'd have known that to start with, he'd have never asked for that money up front. He'd have never lived riotously among the heathen. He'd have never walked away. This is why we have to open our arms to those who walk away from the truth because they didn't walk away from something they understood. They walked away from something they didn't understand. Now we have to pray that they'll come to themselves. We have to pray that the Lord will speak to their heart. We have to pray that God will reach down in his loving mercy, his tender mercy, his my God. In the New Testament, we call it agape. In the Old Testament, we call it chesed. Chesed. The word chesed doesn't even have an English word that it can translate to. The the translators would would use that word chesed, and they, they could not capture it in an English word. And so they took two English words and made one word out of it. And when you read in your Bible the word loving kindness, which isn't even a word. You're looking at the translator's attempt to how do I describe the chesed of God? How, how, how? Because it's too deep. 
to just be loving. And it's too wide to just be kind. I've got to come up with some word, somewhere, somehow that will describe the chesed of God. And so they put two very potent words together and said it is both loving and it is kind. It is the loving kindness of God. Oh, the loving kindness of God is better than life itself. And if you can ever understand that, hallelujah, it'll put the foundation in you, a structure that all the law of God can stand upon. That's why it is it falls to us to preach the cross, to teach the cross, to sing the cross, to tell of the blood of Jesus, to share of his mercy, to illustrate it, to reiterate it and iterate it and iterate it again and again. He is a God who is love. He is a God who is merciful. He is a God who is gracious. And my God. And some people think, well, if you make people think God's so gracious, they might think they can just abuse his mercy. No, you're wrong. If they ever truly understand how perfect his law is and how perfect his love is, they will never want to walk away from his presence. Why would you leave a God who was so perfect in himself and yet you in all of your imperfections, he loves you with perfect love. Why? Why would you ever want to walk away from a heavenly father who establishes a structure within you? Hallelujah. It, it starts not with, not with you loving him, but with him loving you. And I, I just want to take you real quick through that journey, what that's like. We must love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not an option. It's a prerequisite. We must. You must. But notice how he says it. He says, thou shalt love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me tell you what that isn't. That's not God walking up to you, grabbing you by the lapels and saying, you better love me. How many of you good brethren wooed your wife that way? You better love me, woman. You want to be very persuasive. Call her by her last name. You better love me. Whatever the last name is. It's not very persuasive. And that's not how God persuaded us. And we are persuaded of his love. Oh, I can hear the Apostle Paul say, I am persuaded. That nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. Death can't do it. Life can't do it. Angels can't do it. Principalities can't do it. Power can't do it. Famine can't do it. Nakedness and poverty can't do it. The peril, the sword, war, famine, nothing shall be able to separate. I am persuaded. So how did God persuade us? He didn't persuade us by smacking us around, demanding that we love him. No, no, no. It's not a demand. It's a command. It's a promise. He's telling us, you just wait. You shall love me. Woo. My, my, my. That Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Shema, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That was a promise, Brother Colbert. You shall love me. You just wait. You don't know it now, but you're going to love me with everything you have. You're going to raise your children to love me because you're going to see 
the love that I have for you. Fathers, it is the secret to blessing your family. Persuade them of your love. Show them your love. Example your love. Sacrifice, sacrifice. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You do know how he showed us his love. It was his sacrifice. Sacrifice when I was a sinner. Sacrifice when I didn't say thank you. Sacrifice when I was ungrateful. Sacrifice when I was rebellious. Sacrifice when I pushed him away. Are you listening, Dad? Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. Well, these bunch of kids are a bunch of ungrateful kids. Yes, and so are we. Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. Every day, every morning, every night, be at church. Live holy, live godly, overcome temptation, abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't be inappropriate with the words you say. No, it's not cool to be carnal, and it's not normal to be carnal. It's not normal to be inappropriate. You're a man of God. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of character. We don't tell inappropriate jokes in the kingdom of God. We don't do that. Because we're men of God. We are men of integrity. And we do the work of the Lord. I know we're not perfect. But we represent someone who is. We can be empowered by him, hallelujah, to demonstrate his love. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's give all of our fathers another big hand. Let me tell you, let me tell you what. Men can take this kind of preaching because we want to be better than what we are. We want to be told. We want to be told when we need to do better. We want somebody to say, I need more of this from you. We don't take that personal in terms of being offended or defensive. We don't get self-defensive of something that needs to die daily. My flesh needs to die every day. Why would I work so hard to defend it from every single attack? No, I picked up a cross when I followed him. I said, I picked up a cross when I followed Jesus. He didn't do a bait and switch. He said, take up that cross. What do you think we were going to do with it? Hang it around our neck? What did you think we were going to do with it? Decorate our walls? No, you're going to die on it. And and it's going to be people who nail you to it. They're going to they're gonna wound you with their words. You're going to make sacrifices. Your flesh is going to die. Now, don't get depressed because in three days. Oh, my God. I feel like... Hallelujah. I'm sorry, but I want my family to be saved. 
I'm sorry, but I want my family to be saved. I'm sorry, but I want my life to be an example of Jesus Christ. So no, I'm not, I'm not in with the flimsy Christianity. I'm not in with the carnal in and out, up and down, everybody making excuses for how carnal we are. No, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. And I can't achieve that on my own. Only do it if he builds that structure inside of me. It comes from my heavenly father. Hallelujah. And it starts with him loving me. So I can't love him. And the Bible says that if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. It says if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, you're a liar. I'm just reading the word to you. It's just the word. Don't get mad at me. You're a liar. If you love, say you love, I love God, but you don't love your brother, you're a liar. You have to love your brother in order to love God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Don't even try it. Don't even fake it. He rebuked hypocrites constantly. If you don't love your brother, you hate God. And you can't love your brother until you love yourself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And we don't love ourselves. You know why? There's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. When you're familiar... You start to get contemptuous towards those you're familiar with because you start learning the stuff about them you didn't know. You used to be able to hold them up in high regard. You get close enough and realize, oh, they're just human, and you start having a little contempt for them. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's an old saying. It's not biblical, but it's an old saying. And we're so familiar with ourselves. When I look in the mirror, I'm not fooling me. Oh. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I know exactly who you are. I know who you are. I know what you deal with. I know. I know your inconsistencies. I know everything about you. And it's so easy to hate yourself for who you are. This is why you must establish the first love, which is this. He loves me. In the middle of my inconsistencies, he loves me. In the middle of my failings, he loves me. In all of my problems, and all of my issues, he just loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Do you know the difference between John and all of the other disciples? The difference is that John was at the foot of the cross and they were not. That's the difference. Uh, that's the only difference. And do you know what we call him? We call him John the Beloved. Do you know why we call him John the Beloved? Because he told us that's who he is. That's the only reason why we call him John the Beloved. Because he said, I am the disciple that he loved. And he knew it because he stood at the foot of the cross. And he looked upon the blood, the sweat, the tears, the toil. He heard those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when he walked away from the cross of Christ, he walked away with no hesitation in his heart that Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. That's why all he talked about was his love. He said, he's the one who said, perfect love casteth out fear. He's the one who said, we love him because he first loved us. He's the 
one who recorded the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's the one who recorded the words, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Finally, John said, I don't know how else to describe it. All I can tell you is God is love. I don't don't know how else to describe it to you, but that God is love. He outran Peter to the tomb. You know how we know he outran Peter to the tomb? Because he told us that too. Peter was a great preacher on Pentecost. That's awesome. But when it came to running, John said, I had the edge. He wanted it forever settled in heaven that he outran Peter to the tomb. Amen. Do you know why he outran Peter to the tomb? Because the last thing Peter did was deny Christ. And when he ran, he ran with a hesitation in his step. He was like the little girl with the rose petals. He loves me. He loves me not. No, he loves me. But he might not love me. He loves me because he's so great. But he might not because I'm so terrible. But he loves me. Finally, he gets there, but with so much hesitation and reluctance. But John ran with a reckless abandon. There was no question in his mind. He loves me. 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 He was skipping. At one point, he might have been skipping. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to run this race with the knowledge. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And once you know that he loves you, regardless of who you've been, then you start really truly loving yourself. And all of a sudden, you stop hating other people so much. You just stop hating them all of a sudden because you are loved. And so you love And that opens the door for you to fulfill the great commandment of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And every law and every prophet and every command will hang upon that structure within. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is very true that all of your problems would be solved if you would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all, that's a big three-letter word, all these things shall be added unto you. They shall be added. Faithfulness to your wife shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. Respect for others shall be added unto you. Honesty in your interactions shall be added unto you. Right structure is in place. God can add faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and brotherly kindness and godliness and charity. And if these be things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be fruitful and never barren. Praise God. Hallelujah. Could you lift your hands with me right now? Hallelujah. Could you lift your hands with me right now? Our musicians can come. God bless you. Could you just lift your hands unto the Lord right now? I want some fathers who need God to put some structure inside of us, our spirit. I need some men of God and women of God, hallelujah, who who need to have structure within. 
I want somebody, I want somebody to be real today and say, I need God to bring some perfecting to my spirit. I, I need God to bring some perfecting to my soul. Hallelujah. It's a structure that he wants to put inside of you. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for instruction. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands with me all across this house. In the name of Jesus, 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 stand with me if you will, stand with me if you will. Glory to God. I'm tired of marriages ending in divorce. I'm tired of fathers feeling frustrated. I'm tired of wives feeling unloved. I'm tired of fathers feeling disrespected. I'm tired of children feeling like they have no home. I'm tired of families being torn apart by the enemy. All of it can be solved if you'll let him put a structure within you. Hallelujah. I want you right now, could you do this with me? Could you do this with me? It's been the most helpful thing in my life, and I want to invite you into it if you could. I want you to stop blaming anybody else. Please. Please. Please stop blaming anybody else. If Jesus can take the blame, why can't you? He took my blame. Why, why, are, you, why are you so right that you've done nothing wrong? If he can take my blame. He took the murderer's blame. He took the blasphemer's blame. Why, why, why are you so perfect that you can't take blame? It's been the most important thing I've ever done in my life to simply stop pointing fingers. I just put my hands down and kneel before God and say, God, just crucify me and let me live. Just, here's my flesh. Lord, let me live. He'll take you to the foot of his cross and he'll start laying the foundation of structure within you. And upon that structure will come peace and patience and holiness and purity of motive. Hallelujah. And from you will flow all the gentle fruits of his spirit. Without you even trying, you'll be gentle. Without you even trying, you'll have joy. Without you even trying, you'll have peace. Oh, I feel his presence. I wonder if there's anybody who's ready to stop pointing fingers. Just stop pointing. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. I don't have to know what they did. Stop pointing fingers. We're going to build a structure today. We're going to build a structure today. A structure within. A structure within us. And our children are going to be able to live in this structure. And our marriages are going to be able to thrive in this structure. And our homes are going to be at peace in this structure. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. This altar needs to be filled to overflowing with people saying, God, build something in me. 
put something inside of me, God. Come on, that's it. Stop, stop pointing fingers. I, I need those who are ready to stop pointing fingers. I need you to come. Those who are willing to lay down your life and say, God, it's me. Do a work in 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 me, Lord. Do a work in me. You want God to do a work in everybody else around you. I, I want you just to say, God, can you do a work in me? Can you do a work in me?